Drive. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. 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 We'll be streaming live soon. Streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon.
please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you. Jonathan Dunn at Rick Bonfin Ministries office. And uh, we're streaming live, as always, on uh, 9 o'clock, Monday through Friday. And uh, today we're in John chapter 5, beginning verse 1. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles there at home, those of you watching, and, and turn in your Bible and follow along with your Bible. And, uh, <clears throat> and let's look and see the move of Jesus here uh, in Jerusalem. Because it says that um, after this, after what? Well, after the nobleman's son. And Pastor Rick did a teaching on that. Recently it's there on our, on our website. You can go back and watch that. And it says, uh, after this, so he was up north in uh, Cana of Galilee. And then, so after that, the, we return back to Jerusalem in verse 1. Okay, so we've got a movement here. Back down to Jerusalem. So after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Okay? Um, Little side note, if it was the Passover, as some suggest, and that means the ministry of Jesus lasted four to four and a half years, if it was not the Passover, then that means the ministry of Jesus lasted three to three and a half years. Uh because that means there would be four Passovers mentioned in the Gospel of John. Though typically it's understood that this was not a Passover. It was which one, Betty? Tabernacles. And so, so John notes three Passovers in the ministry of Jesus. But we notice Jesus coming to Jerusalem for a feast. But, you know, John quickly takes it from big to small. And we see that because he starts with Jesus coming to Jerusalem for a feast, and I've never been there during one of the feasts, but you're talking a lot of hustle and bustle and a lot of people and a lot of, a lot of sacrifices going on. I mean, just all kinds of activity everywhere. Uh, and so Jesus, in the midst of that, it says here that now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, which should have been the sheep gate, okay, um, a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Okay, so John goes quickly from Jer- just the whole of Jerusalem with a feast down to this pool at the Bethesda by the sheep gate, which is uh, it was the sheep gate because that's where the sheep were let in uh, to be sacrificed. They were, they would come in through the sheep gate, and uh, now it's called the lion's gate, and. Uh, and in, and in these, meaning in the by the pool, lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. So, uh, we're sort of, John is shrinking the setting from Jerusalem, and he's, he's beginning to shrink, and then we'll see in just a second, he's going to shrink the whole thing down to one man. Where else do we see Jesus do this? With... Uh, The woman at the well. You know? That whole scripture, uh, go back and read the, or listen to the teaching from Pastor Rick, the whole scripture, Jesus goes to the well, and he's led of the Holy Spirit to go to the well 
to see about uh, Jacob's well, but the whole thing centers around this one woman who was rejected by her community and ends up with her being set free and healed and she becomes a missionary to her town and a lot of people get saved. So, so this, this is a, a repetitive thing. John again is now about to shrink all of that hustle and bustle going on during this Feast of Tabernacles and John is going to shrink the whole thing down to one man in just a second. And that is Jesus' focus in the midst of all of that. And that's a very difficult thing to do, those who are led by the Holy Spirit of God, because life has so much activity all the time. And sometimes it's difficult to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit leading you to say, in the midst of all the activity, in the midst of the hundreds of people of this church service, this is the person that I'm looking to heal. I'm looking to set free. I'm looking to deliver. But that is how prophetic ministry works. Is it, it typically will boil down to one person in the midst of all kinds of activity going on. And that's the person that, that God uses to sort of catapult the move of the Holy Spirit in that environment. What you're saying, ahead, John, Pastor Rick. is that out of the impotent people that were there, lame, the blind, the, uh, uh, the deaf, the, the, the paralyzed, mm-hmm. that God, God had in mind to heal one. So what does that, what does that mean yeah. prophetically? So, what does the prophetic have to do with that? Well, when I teach on this scripture, I always think about those who I've, I've met over my life who will say, well, I just I feel like I need to meet need. I mm-hmm. see need and I, my heart goes out and I want to help them. And you're like, no, that's not how you're led. That's not how you do the work of God. You do what he's leading you to do mm-hmm. yeah. through the prophetic. Notice, notice that it's not a, a corporate mm-hmm. uh, uh, situation. It's not for the thousands. It can be one to a thousand. It can be a thousand to one. I, I see that. Like a word to America. Mm-hmm. But the prophetic here is one person there. Like right. the beginning yeah. of the ministry of Jesus trying to help us to understand. That it is, is this man out of the others? Now, why this man is, uh, is, is the question. And that's what we're about to get into right. here. So, so uh, in these, uh, verse 3. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind halt withered, waiting for the moving of the water. So why are they waiting for the moving of the water? For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. So, you know, this pool had a history. By the way, the, it's an interesting uh, pool, pool of Bethesda. It's really interesting because now it's it's on the north side of the temple mount, close to the temple, okay. And uh, it was not fed by a uh, like running water. It was not fed by a spring. It, it was it would catch rainwater, and it would provide a lot of water for the temple and for the activity of the temple, all kinds of 
you know, purification. You had to water the animals, all kinds of so. So that was the sort of one of the purposes of it. And a lot of people thought that this pool was a lie and that uh, John made it up, or that they used this scripture uh, as way to prove that the Gospel of John was written, you know, in in the in the, in the second or third century, you know, because uh, there was no pool like this. Because it was really unique. It's, John says it has five porticos. And we'll get back to the man in a second. But uh, I want you to know this, okay? Because a pool with four sides would have four porticos. What's a portico? It's like a covered area that goes around. Okay, so each side would have a, a covered area. And the people would wait there. And then they would sit there. And then they'd go down. But this one had five. So what? Five-sided pool? You know? No. It was... Two square pools set next to each other. So then you'd have on the long side a portico, on each of the short sides, and then a long side here, and then in the middle you had a, four, a fifth. So John actually really did know what he was talking about. <laughs> and in the, uh, it was in the late 1800s, some, some guy dug up one of them, and they found it. And then it wasn't until the 1960s that they found the other one. And they said, oh, oops, you know. But uh, you know, back in the day, uh, all all the uh, you know all all, all the uh, biblical criticism that would just uh, say that the gospels were were you know nobody no no eyewitnesses wrote them they were written over a period of a few hundred years and people just kind of put a bunch of folklore together and and this is just another example to prove that and and archaeology proved once again oh th- th- there was a five sided portico okay sorry you know so so in other words don't base your faith based on what your eyes can see, okay, or based on what the archaeologists tell you, make your face on the Word, you know. Betty says she's been there. She saw it, right, with your own eyes. I haven't been there, but Betty has. She saw it. Five-sided portico. So praise God. The man's standing there, and this, this, uh, these pools had a history uh, where people would be healed there. It was sort of a miraculous thing of the day. And so there's a man there. And um, and it says here in verse 5, we, we started to get to the man, okay? Remember, we're shrinking down. It, John starts it in verse 1 with this big feast in Jerusalem, and then he shrinks the whole thing all the way down to one man. And a certain man was there, okay? A certain man, which had an infirmity 38 years, 38 years. A perfect type of Israel, which because of her sin was helpless, shut up in the desert for 38 years. The similarity is not coincidental. So we have here Jesus coming and seeing the certain man who... Now now let's get to verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case... Okay, that's just... Uh, uh, some King James language to say, when Jesus saw him there and realized he had been sick for a long time without being healed. Now the question is, did Jesus, did somebody tell Jesus that the man had been ill for 38 years, or did the Holy Spirit reveal it to him with what we call a word of knowledge? And I'm going to present to you that it's a word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit of God highlighted this man to Jesus and said, he's been sick 38 years. Now, why do I say that? Uh, well, because John doesn't introduce another person in the story, for one thing. Okay? And another thing is the word that John 
uses, and I, I, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, the, the Greek, you know, but it's a, um, it's basically a, a word that says to come to know or to perceive. In, in other words, there is a, a revelatory thing happening in the mind of Jesus that the Holy Spirit is perceiving in him that this man had been sick for 38 years. So the second, that Je- the second that Jesus got a revelation that this man had been sick for 38 years is the flag for Jesus that God wants to do something with this man. And so Jesus is just walking around, you know, and there's just all these people, but this is the man that Jesus gets a revelation about to say, of all the sick people, this man's been sick 38 years. Oh, what are you doing, God? Go ahead, Betty. Well, I think I can strengthen your case if we, as we teach on the, the gifts we often say that one moves after another they do. yeah so the way mine reads when jesus saw him that i i see as being discernment mm. jesus not just yeah. saw with his eyes but like you said yeah. all these people and yeah. the disciples might have been going oh look at that one lord look at that, <laughs> one, look at that one look at that but jesus was doing his father's business and the father revealed look at him yep. so he saw him with spiritual eyes then he knew he had a word of knowledge. Yeah. So they Amen. just work. One that works with yeah. gifts That's work perfect. one yeah. after the other. That's how the yeah. discernment, word of knowledge. That's perfect. Um, and then, uh, then Jesus addresses the man. And the question he asks him is, is really important. Okay? So Jesus said unto him, he said unto him, we're still in verse 6, Will you be made whole? Now, the King James, uh, that's, that's the King James translation of it. It's three words in the Greek. It's a very short question. Th- just three words, okay? Um, the first one is uh, Strong's number 2309, in case you want to go look it up. Thilo, meaning to will or to desire, okay? Is there a will? Is there a desire inside of you, okay? And then... Um, the second word is ginomai, I don't know. Uh, but it means uh, to become, okay, or to happen. Do you wish this thing to happen, that you be made whole, which is the third word? Um, and I, I won't say that one either, but that's strong number 5199, okay? To be made whole or to be healthy, all right? So what is the key? Jesus is now beginning to go into um, a root a root work and then soul ministry. So what does he ask the man? He asks him, do you want to be made whole? In other words, is there something inside of you that wants your situation to change? Okay. And um, now, the man's response tells us everything about the man. Because Jesus asks him a very direct question. And he gives a very indirect answer. Okay? So, verse 7. Now, Jesus knows that the man... Jesus already knows what the man is struggling with. Okay? But he begins to interact with the man to sort of begin to draw him out a little bit. So the impotent man answered him, Sir, 
I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Now let me ask you something. Have you ever met somebody when you ask them a question that's to you is really a yes or no question? They give you their life sob story and ten minutes later you're still sitting there listening to them complain about and, and their pity party? What is self what which which root of the four roots, rebellion, rejection, bitterness, unforgiveness, which root holds self pity? Matt, you remember? Rejection. Yeah. Self pity. In other words, Jesus is trying to say to him, Do you want to be well? And the man gives a self pity spiel. In other words, he deflects the ministry that Jesus is trying to give to him with his life, oh, woe is me story. And that's not to say that, not to discount the man's story, because he's been sick for 38 years. I, I can't imagine. You know? I'm 39 years old. I'd be, you know, what's it like to be sick your entire life? I have no idea. And there are many people who have gone through some very difficult things and are struggling right now with some real stuff. However, what Jesus is trying to do is get this man to a place to where he doesn't focus on himself so that he can be healed. And that is one of the keys to being healed for somebody who's in a state of rejection is that they constantly are focusing on themselves and the oh, woe is me and constantly contemplating how, you know, down they are and, and things are so bad and, and I'm beyond repair and God can't heal me and God can heal other people, but I'm just too far gone. You know, it's okay, God. I'll just, I'll just limp along the best I can. And that's sort of where this man is. Right? Betty, you got a comment there? Anybody want to say something before I keep going? I don't want to. Go ahead. Passivity. Passivity is very good. That's that's part of rejection. Perfect, yeah. If he really had a will to get well, he would have been laying at the edge of the pool with one one leg in. So when it moved, he could roll in. So it was passivity. Jesus is trying to push him out. Do you want to get well? Like, come on. Do you want to or not? You know, he's trying to get him through that passivity. Notice also on the other side that this man is engaged in talking to Jesus as if he knew him for a long time. He's telling the story. He's talking about the past. He's talking about his condition. He's talking about his need. So so the two are engaged. So I believe Jesus saw in this man someone deserving, someone with Amen. faith. Amen. Now, faith is about to show up now. That's right. right. Yeah, it sure is. All right, so let's get there because we got ten minutes and... So let's get there. Okay, so the man is struggling with rejection. And so he's having trouble, but Jesus is trying to push him over the edge. And as Pastor Rick said, as they engage, then uh, the man starts to sort of get out of it a little bit, right? Jesus said unto him, so then we see Jesus not engage the man in his self-pity party. And that's key in ministry when you're going to, you have to discern the person and the root of the person. If this person is struggling with rejection and they're giving you their self-pity party, they will steal all your time if you let them. Okay? So there has to be a moment to where 
you give them a command and they have to make a decision to obey to get out of that passivity. And if they can't do that, then they begin to go in a cycle of continuously in the same place. Okay? And so the, Jesus gives him a direct command. Now, this is a command. Jesus didn't ask him, do you, do you, would you like to get up and start walking? Do you, do you, would, would, yeah, can, I, can I help you up? Would you like to consider carrying your mat? No, he says, rise. Rise. A command, an imperative verb. Rise. A second imperative command, take up your mat. And a third imperative command, walk. Okay? So, rise, take up your mat, walk. So, there's three things that Jesus commands this man to do. Now, the key to this man's healing is obeying the three commands. Yeah, which makes it a working of a miracle. So, Jesus gives him the key to say, rise, take up your mat and walk. Okay, and so it says, and immediately the man was whole, he took up his bed, so he did it. He took up his bed and walked. And so the man was healed. Okay, so here's the question. Okay, for those of us who feel that we're put down by life, right? And we begin to think back on our story of life and, 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 Oh, my, you know, my folks neglected me. My folks didn't care, take care of me. True stuff. Real pain. Not discounting that. The question is, uh, like this man, are you going to choose to continuously recite your story to yourself and remain in that self-pity place? Or are we going to hear the voice of God saying this in whatever circumstance you're in, rise, take up your mat, and walk? Now, for some people, that means something like, Get a job and stick with a job and don't leave it. Right? That's what it means for some people. That the key to you overcoming what life has brought to you is to take a job and don't leave it. And stick to it. And as you do that, then life begins to come in because you're involved in things that are outside of yourself. You're involved in people. You're involved in uh, all kinds of activity that's outside of your own mind and what's been going through your own mind all the time, just constantly rehearsing your life and all the troubles that life has brought upon you, right? Amen? Matt, have you found... He needs the microphone there, Betty. Sorry to make you... Uh, have you found that working at Rick... And, of course, I'm setting you up for the answer because I know the answer because I've seen you change. Tell us how you have found working at RBM the past almost two years to uh, begin to help you, you know, sort of rise above where you were before? What's I been am, going on? Well, um, I think that being here, um, you kind of have to sink or swim, you know what I mean? You can't stay in your, <laughs> in where you, where you, you know, in your story. And I think that the thing you said about the story to me is kind of the biggest thing is you have to kind of choose what story in your life you want to apply to who, how you value yourself because mm-hmm. we all have you know past stories of neglect or rejection but there's also the story that Jesus didn't reject you 
Jesus loved you so much he died for you. So, you, like, you have to come to a place yeah. in your mind where it's like there's no reason to feel rejected if I know that Jesus loves me. Yeah. And, Amen. you know, to make that choice to say that's the story, that's my story. That's I don't perfect, accept man. the story of my past. I accept the story that Jesus died for me. So, that's yeah, that's, that's perfect, man. And you're called of God, and God has... In other words, anybody that comes into this ministry, automatically, God has a call upon your life, and God is looking out for you. You don't just, you don't just happen to land here. Uh, that, there's nobody that just... You, you know, there's nobody that just sort of happens to flop here. Well, maybe one or two. <laughs> I got a smile out of the ball, so that one... <laughs> You know, but but those that come to this ministry on the whole, God called you here. God led you here. And so the he is redefining the direction of your life. You, you know the uh, smart people, you know the concept of, you know, a trajectory and, you know, something going in one direction if you if you tweak it just a little a few degrees, it'll end up in a totally different place years down the road, right? Well, that's what God does when He brings somebody to this ministry. It's what He did to me. It's what He did with Matt. It's what He's doing with Heidi. That's what He's doing uh, with uh, uh, Kathy, Felipe, Felipe. You know, I think about that guy, man. His direction was, you know, what selling cakes, right? He was in, he was in the army for a while, and then he was sell, now he's selling cakes, and now he's working at RBM, and he's he's becoming a very valuable resource at the mission in Brazil. Uh, helping us all overcome all kinds of things because Celio's going to be retiring and Felipe's going to be the guy who knows how to make sure that the cars get maintained and fix things that are broken and, and all. And he knows how to mail merge labels and get a mail out of hundreds done in a, in a couple days. Thank you, Jesus. We've been trying to do that for ever since I worked here in Brazil. <laughs> and so God took Felipe, led him to us. And, you know, Pastor Rick's told the story many times of how he went there Several times he went to Brazil to this church and just kind of saw him. And then it was the third time, you know, finally, you know, Pastor Rick goes and says, who is this guy? And look at that. Now he's working for us. And I tell you, Felipe's life will never be the same because he's working at RBM. Amen. Those of you that go on trips know that that's true. So, And it's not because Pastor Rick or me have... Anything of ourselves to offer is because we believe in this prophetic ministry of Jesus that this man received. And so we believe that when you come to this ministry, you're like this man, and we simply try to provide a way that you can be introduced to Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to set you free from that that has held you down from reaching your full potential in life. Wow, that was a mouthful. That came out pretty good. I don't think I could say it again the second time. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 35, just to sort of close and, and see that Jesus, all of this that Jesus is doing is fulfilling what the Scripture said that He would do. Let's look at verse 4 in Isaiah 35. Say to them who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. We'll get to that in John chapter 9. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. 
Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And so this, the healing of this man, which by the way, Jesus did not just ask the man if he wanted to walk again. He asked if he wanted to be made whole. And that did include his physical healing. But we don't have time to, to get to the end of the story because the man begins to interact with um, the religious leaders who criticize him for carrying his mat on the Sabbath. And there's a whole thing about you know the prophetic in terms of Sabbath and that Jesus is the actual Sabbath rest, which the Sabbath from the law of prophecy. Anyway, but the man was made whole. And in other words, he was healed in his soul as well as physically. And so, Jesus is fulfilling that Isaiah chapter 35 where he, he comes and he begins to heal and he begins to bring living water streams in the desert where there's been no healing. Now, healing comes. Hallelujah. Do you want your healing today? Pray, ask God, what is, what is it you're asking me to do? How do I need to move in obedience? This man was asked to rise, take up his mat and walk. What are you asking me to do, God? Are you asking me to uh, continue watching Rip Bonfin Ministries at 9 a.m.? And I can't leave my house, so I guess I better start a war room so I don't sit here and get passive and apathetic? Hallelujah. Do it. Start a war room in your house. Put some music on. Put photos of your family and those that you know are not saved in your workplace and begin to pray and ask God, do something with this time that God has given you at home. Hallelujah. All right, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Have a great day. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. soon.